0: This isn't rehearsal. This isn't just like version one of life and you get your second life later. This is it. This is life.
1: Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. how they feed their good wolf.
0: Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Dale Partridge, a serial entrepreneur and CEO co-founder of Sevenly.org and StartupCamp.com. In less than two years, Sevenly has given over $2.7 million in donations to charities across the globe. Dale is best known for his expertise in branding, marketing, and social media. He started his first company while still a teenager and has partnered and launched a few successful organizations since. His mission is to lead a generation toward generosity. Dale has been featured in various business publications, including the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, INC magazine Mashable, MSN Money, Forbes, and the Los Angeles Times. His personal mission is to lead a generation toward generosity and empower business leaders through the philosophy that people matter. His latest book is called People Over Profit. Here's the
0: interview. Hi, Dale. Welcome to the show. Dude, super excited to be here, my friend.
3: I'm very happy to have you on. We've uh, had a little challenge scheduling this, and uh, you've got a lot of, uh, we share some people in common who all highly recommended me having you on, so I'm glad that we're finally getting to do this.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, I think we're, you know, for anybody that's listening, we're recording this on a Sunday night, so we're, like, that's how, that's how dedicated we are um, to this to this show tonight.
3: Yep, yep, Sunday night, 9 p.m., So our show is called The One You Feed, and it's based on the parable of two wolves, where there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson, and he says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love, and the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops, and he thinks about it for a second. He looks up at his grandfather, and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, "The one you feed." So, I'd like to start off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work that you do.
0: That's a great story because I, I think that I would look at history, and um, history shows us that that love always wins, and that truth always wins, and that you know, transparency and generosity and authenticity and these things that that really are at the core of. Of life, meaning that the things that we struggle with most of our lives, and it's funny because I think so many people are looking, especially business people, are looking for like the next strategies and tactics in like the Harvard Business Review. And uh, most of us uh, that have succeeded very well in not just business life but in our personal lives have leaned more on the lessons that we were taught in kindergarten, which is you know to to love people, to to be kind. To share, you know, and to tell the truth. And it's these things that we struggle with as humans for like our whole lives. I'm talking like I'm 30 years old and I'll still sometimes tell my wife that I'm around the corner when I'm like eight minutes away, you know? (laughs) And it's this, it's this like, I don't know why I can't stop exaggerating. I don't know why I can't like be comfortable in my own skin. And I don't know why I, I hide things sometimes. And um, so I think that at the end of the day, history just shows us that that love always wins and truth wins. And I think that if we if we can stand with that side, uh, we know that we're gonna we know that we're gonna win too at the end.
3: Well, you've got a book coming out called "People Over Profit: Break the System, Live with Purpose, Be More Successful." That I think really touches on some of that. It's sort of a Feeding Your Good Wolf in the Business World book, for lack of a better analogy. And uh, you talk about seven core beliefs that create success by putting people first. Do you want to maybe talk about a couple of those and, and how they, you know, get in? Because I think the these are around feeding other people's wolves
0: also. Yeah. Totally. So, I, I you know, as a business guy, I'm sitting there. I'm going, okay. You know, wh- who's winning in the business space? I mean, and I remember there's no bad companies. There's only bad leaders. And so I I, I sat back and I go, okay, well, who are the good companies? Because that means that they have great leaders. And so I look at companies like Whole Foods and and REI and. Um, and In-N-Out Burger and Chick-fil-A uh, and maybe um, Ben & Jerry's and Patagonia and North Face. Some of these outdoor brands, especially, kind of have this this sense. And and I look at their leaders and I go, like, what are they doing? You know, what what are what are those men or women? It's, there's actually a couple of those CEOs that are women. I go, what are they doing? And um, I, I I looked and I studied at their businesses for for a few years and read tons of articles and actually got some good interviews with some people and I found out. Uh, that those people are just very, they're what I call constitutionally incapable of breaking away from these core beliefs and they have the ability to value people and, um, they have this humility about themselves. They have this generosity and this authenticity and this ability to, to tell the truth or like honest Abe level truth. I mean, they just can't lie and, and they have this integrity about themselves that, that is very rare. And they think about business not out of the you know they don't think of their their businesses as as parts of a machine or their employees as parts of a machine but people and it 's something that they don't have written in their business plans they don 't have it on like you know tattooed on the walls in their h q they don 't have it like in their mission statement they just have this like sh- this thread of commonality between all these leaders that that have the ability to value people over profit, which makes their companies more profitable. And um remember, you know, and the book's not called People instead of profit, right? I'm not a communist, right? So it's it's the idea is that that if you value people over profit, you'll actually be more profitable because your company is healthier, your culture is healthier, and people will work harder when they feel more valued. And um, so I started studying these men and women. And um it was just incredible to see uh some of the stories and some of the insights. Um, that they were just dedicated to the simple things, like I talked about earlier, is that these truths that have always won across history, and they're just better at it than most people. They're 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 just dedicated, like fanatically dedicated to integrity. And um, you know, they they tell the lie even if, or they tell the truth even if it hurts, right? They they admit when they're wrong. They they value people when it costs them money. Um, you know, they they give in the sight of like not a practical decision you know they're very true to themselves even if people don't like it you know there's so many unique things there so i think that that it's really the book's a study of of the success of business but if you go dig dig deeper it's it's a success of it's the personal development of of like the greatest leaders on the planet and um and and remember like we we look at people all the time i remember eric i used to sit back and and look at okay who should i start following and I base that off of like how much money they made or how successful their company was. I don't do that anymore. I don't follow people unless I can look at their lives and I go, okay, they're winning in business. Uh, they're winning in family. They're winning in relationships. Um, and those people are very rare. Like if they're healthy, they have a really great relationship with their children. They have an incredible marriage uh, they have, they're, and they're also on top of it. You know, running a multi-million dollar company. They're they're very rare people, and and those people that can do that well, I think we have something to learn from.
3: I agree. I mean, getting all those different things working well together is really a challenge.
0: Oh, it's so crazy. My, my um, the chairman of my uh, my past company. I'm still a, a co-owner. Uh, Sevenly dot his name is Jim Van Eerden and he, um, you know, he's been a great businessman. He's also got 10 children, um, a marriage of, you know, 30 years and, um, his children respect him and love him and care for him. And, and he's, he still travels and maintains this and runs these companies and, and his marriage is just flourishing and, and, and his relationships are strong and, and he's constantly like consistent you know? And I, I'm like, dude, I, all I want to do is just end up like that, you know? And so I'm trying to, I, I've surrounded myself with a couple of these men and, um, and my wife has surrounded herself with a couple of these women and we learn like, whoa, like, cause I grew up in Southern California where this is just a rare thing. You know, you're really good at business and your family's falling apart, you know, or, uh, you're really good at family and you're broke. Right. You know? So right. it's, it's this balance that I'm I'm looking for, and um and I think that's kind of what what people need to start searching for more than just go deeper be- besides the the, the professional and, and financial success.
3: Well, let's talk a minute about when you were running your company, you ran into some challenges there that caused you to step back and reevaluate what you were doing, and I think that's part of what led you to writing this book and. Uh, doing the startup camp that you're doing now. Do you want to share a little bit about how the company was going and, and what happened with you and the changes you needed to make?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Eric, at the core, I'm a ruthless entrepreneur and which probably makes me very qualified to write this book because I've learned the lessons that I've written about over the years, um, to, uh, to change because, um, I, I want to win and I'm incredibly competitive and I'm addicted to success and I'm addicted to achievement. And I remember, um, you know, Sevenly was my sixth or seventh company. Uh, we, you know, I'd started multiple things by the time I was 26 years old and, and made, uh, you know, a few million dollars. I I'd, I'd, I'd had some really great success and, and, um, I started Sevenly and it was a great experience to blend purpose and profit. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, this is what I really want. That's what I thought, right? I was like, this is what I really want, like, to, to change the world. And we raised, you know, $4.2 million now in $7 donations. And I, I mean, literally, when I look back at it, I go, man, like, the money that we've given to charity, there's quite literally people that probably wouldn't be alive if we hadn't started the company, And, and I always ask myself the question, like, I go, what if we didn't, you know, like for, for those of you that are dreaming out there that have dreams, I'll tell you this from personal experience, you have no idea the impact of the dream that you might have on someone else. So, so like if you're, if you're fearful of starting, uh, just know that I never knew that I'd be giving $4.2 million away to, to charities and and feeding people and rescuing girls from sex trafficking and and building wells and and stopping bullying and 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 all the other things that we've supported, but uh, the company grew very quick. And this is the first time that I realized that companies can grow faster than people can, and that was a really interesting. Uh, learning experience to go, man. We went from zero to like fifty employees in two and a half years, and I had a multi hundred thousand dollar every two week payroll that was incredibly stressful at twenty seven years old, and um and I had people that worked for me that were forty and that had kids and a wife and and I'm thinking, gosh, like uh, what a you un- what a unique. Uh, experience this was, and I, I grew a lot. I mean, I read more books than I probably have ever done <laughs> in my whole life. I mean, I, I spent so much mentorship with, with different um, people, and and went through coaching courses, and and um, you know what? I just couldn't keep up, and I realized also that that I'm a creative entrepreneur. I'm I, I love the vision, and and I needed to staff my weaknesses because I I couldn't operate. I was not an operator and I you you give me 10 to 15 employees and like I'm in like I could totally run that. But when it starts getting to the point where you walk in your office and there's people that are working there that you didn't hire and you have no idea who they are, it's it's a weird thing cuz you go, "Man, like this thing's so much bigger than me now." And that was hard for me and and I remember wanting so badly to be the San Francisco VC like like raising multi millions of dollars and being on the covers of magazines and like turning into this like prodigy entrepreneur. And I had all the characteristics for it, but the ability to stay sane while doing it. And, um, one of my favorite quotes is, do you remember who you were before the world taught you who you should be? And, uh, I didn't I literally didn't. I, I I was so focused on like achieving this success that uh, I didn't care, and I put my fi- my family, myself, at the back burner for a long time, and. Um, I remember I got to a point where I just started having anxiety. Like I just couldn't handle the stress and the pressure and I didn't want to tell anybody like it would, it would show weakness in my investors. It would show weakness to my staff. And, and so I just like stuffed it down and I was like panicking all the time and like walking out and like I, I literally be in a meeting and then I would jump out and like run into a closet and like, and like take deep breaths and like try to like, like get my composure back. And, and, um, and you know, being a CEO is a real deal. Like a CEO of a of a seriously large company, like anything over 10, 15 employees, is it's a really hard stress. And I started having insomnia even like um and I still fought through it. I mean, I was still working hard. Like it, that's the that's the crazy thing, is that I was still running the company. I wasn't just like bailing, you know. And um uh, you know, insomnia and and, and anxiety and panic attacks and and I i uh I actually remember my wife started having them at the same time, so we were both going through this. This is craziness. I remember a time that I was sitting on the bed with her and she was having a panic attack or she just finished having a panic attack, and she was f- so frustrated with them that she was like suicidal thought thinking like she was she was so i couldn't leave her alone like I had to literally take her to work with me every day and and I remember like fighting off my own anxiety at the same time coaching her through the, you know, coaching her through what like why she should live. <laughs> I mean, it was it was incredibly brutal. And um and we we said, hey, it's time to change. And um, among a lot of other variables in the situation, I said, Hey, you know, I think maybe it's getting close for me to to step down as CEO. And my I think my my partners and stuff were kind of ready for it as well. They're thinking like, Dale, you, you kind of need a break. And so, uh, I stepped down and, um, after about two and a half years of running the company and my wife and I, we just made a ton of changes. I mean, like we made changes and like, this is the thing is that we also had the blessing of being able to make the change, right? Like, cause a lot of people don't have the ability. They don't have the money. They don't have the, 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 the resources to like make changes. And, um, we actually bought, uh, we sold our, our house, uh, like forced us to drive in traffic everywhere. (laughs) And, um, we, we bought a house in the mountains, um, outside of LA. And then we like in the mountains, like 6,000 foot elevation, like little cabin. And then we, uh, we rented a little house at the beach and we split our time between the two of them. So we got, you know, got some more peace and quiet. We, we started exercising. We, we started, um, Getting back into our faith a little bit, we we started eating healthier. Um, we started, uh, uh, you know, uh, reducing our commitments um, to people, and, and and just try to to figure out. Okay, we got to serve ourselves because I think as people that we don't always remember that we have needs also, especially as leaders. If you're a leader and you're listening, um, oftentimes we we are serving. We're I, I, I'm like my life is so good is what I'm thinking that like, I don't need anything. You know, I'm the CEO and I mean, I, I'm, I'm successful. I'm, i I have a good amount of wealth and, and I'm so, you know, I have this great wife and this house and all these things. Like I'm thinking the last thing I want to do is, is tell anybody that I need something. Mm-hmm. That's a massive mistake. Um, because it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care how successful you are. Like you still need you still sometimes be able to go, you know, I I need you to tell me that it's going to be okay. Like I need you to tell me that you love me. Like I need you to tell me that even if I screw up, you're still going to love me. You know, you're still going to be my friend, um, whether I'm not the CEO here. And I think enough of that as leaders, when you go, you know, Hey man, if you fail, like I'm still going to like you and we need more of that. So, so I, we jumped into that season and, um, and eventually started redefining like what did we really want you know like who were we before the world taught us who we should be and uh, and that was the kind of the journey that we've been on ever since
4: What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace, well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all and then some. So grab your headphones you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: How has the anxiety and insomnia been for you as you've made those changes?
0: Nothing changes fast, right? So the way I've learned about it is that, um, and I've struggled with anxiety at various levels for 10 years now. Um, when you start getting anxious, it's because of the things you were doing weeks ago, right? So like, you know, it's the pressure that's been building up for weeks to months. And that's your, you know, that's, that's like what, what I say is like, it's God's way of saying like, this is your breaking point. Like, chill out. And, um, the problem is, is that most people can't chill out, right? Like they got to go to work the next morning, right. you know? And, and so what do they do? They take drugs. And my wife and I just decided like, we're, we're going to do this without drugs. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, um, you know, shaming anybody that has taken them, but we wanted to do it without drugs. We, we didn't want to get on anti-anxiety medicines or, or, um, you know, sleep medicines or different things because, uh, you get really dependent on that stuff, you know? And I think that it changes a lot of the way you are, but you have to do it sometimes because, you know, that that's just the only way. And, um, so we, we, uh, we started noticing that, you know, even if we stop and start calming down now, it's not going to We're still going to be anxious. Like it's going to take, it's going to take a few weeks to months to like start letting that calmness catch up with us. So we had to be patient in that, And, um, and we started making progress, man. Like it was great. We started like, wow, we started having our lives back again and our thoughts back again. And, and, um, and I had to start replacing lies with truth. And, um, I think that a lot of the lies we worry, you know, like there's, you know, um, uh, I mean, I'm a Christian guy, but you know, whether you're a Christian or not, I think the idea is that there's, there's a, there's a quote in the scriptures that says, um you know what is worrying gonna do to add a single minute to your life right you know it doesn't do anything right like worrying is like at the end of the day it's there's just no there's no point of it i mean sure there's 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 an importance if you actually have something that's like urgent and you need to go to it, but most of the worrying we do the ninety five percent of the worrying we do is just it's just worthless right so I stopped worrying and um and and my wife and I kind of just came out of the hole and uh and we said we're never gonna go back and so we had to define. What does that look like? And I mean, in the book, uh, and people over profit, I talk a little bit about our story and, and, and that process and, and, and how it relates to work. Um, because I think that people think that, you know, the, the, most dangerous person in the world is the guy that goes, Hey man, dude, it's not personal. It's just business. And I'm like, no, no, everything is personal. Uh, you're, you're, you're a dangerous person, the person that says that. Right. And, um, so I, 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 I looked at people over profit and the book is this like, this is the, the result, uh, of my internal change and, and how you can kind of create companies that are really who you are. Um, so yeah, so now I'm on this journey of, of, uh, instead of having big companies, I want to do the, um, highest amount of revenue, least amount of employees and be able to live anywhere I want. Um, so uh, those are the rules that we put in. So we wanted to have, um, you know, an online membership business was the the business for us. And we had to think about that and we go, so we started a business called StartupCamp.com, where, um, I would actually create a 12 month curriculum on teaching people how to start a business, you know, from start to finish. And, uh, it's been great. And it's, it's been, it's been still incredibly difficult and stressful, but not nearly as stressful because it's more me, you know, it's more me and, And, uh, you know, it's, we have, we have two employees, um, you know, we have, uh, 300 and something members now and, uh, paying $99 a month. And, uh, the, the, the result of this, of this company that actually fits with who we are is so much better. We're so much happier. And so businessmen and women out there, leaders, you know, don't just chase something because it makes money. Don't just chase something because you can be successful from it um, chase something that is actually you and also successful and can make you money. Because I'll tell you what, I've made, I've made lots of money. And at the end of the day, I would rather be making a little bit of money and, and happy than making a ton of money and where I was. Um, so that, that's been my, my theory is it's just somewhere where you love who you are because this, this isn't rehearsal, right? I mean, Eric, you know, this, like this isn't rehearsal. Like you're not, like this isn't just like version one of life and you get your second life later. Like this is it, you know, right here. So like, don't wait on those decisions. Like this is life. Like you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s. Like make those decisions now.
3: Yep. Exactly. One of the things that I think ties a little bit into this, and I saw it was something that you had written recently and you talked about, and this is a a thing that comes up a lot in my mind and we talk about a lot, but the, I will be happy when syndrome. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
0: Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, when you, when you say I'll be happy when, um, it's incredibly dangerous because uh, joy should, has nothing to do with your circumstances. Has not? I mean, I mean, your joy should not be affected by anything that you live on. Like, you could, you should be able to be in jail and have the same amount of joy that you have today. And that's a harsh statement in a, in a very, you know, extreme, uh, you know, circumstance. But what I'm saying is that that um, joy comes from from like a heart of of contentment. It comes from looking at your life and, and gratefulness and, and gratitude. And and so I, I um I often tell people, just just, you know, when you go to bed every day, just like look at the things of your life, like you're healthy. Like there's so many and maybe this helped me a lot because of sevenly I got a chance to see some of the most unfortunate people in the world. And so Uh, we live in the covetousness era, right? Like where you're just like constantly coveting like other people's stuff. And I do it too. Like it's, you know, I look at someone's life and I'm like, dang, man, like look at their life. Like, you know, he's got so much freedom and look, he's he made the cover. He got a New York times bestseller. Like, Oh, like I want that, you know? And, um, that's, I mean, our social media feeds are the highlight reels of our life. It's like, we almost do it to make people jealous, right? like, like we put this this picture out and they're like oh man people are going to like this photo because they're <laughs> going to like they're going to want my life man they're going to want my life and we love it we we get a you know 800 likes in that photo and they go yeah man those people are jealous that they're not me you know it's really sick and um <clears throat> so uh yeah i think that you know money is never going to make us happy i mean sure there's that there's that documentary happy right that talks about like you know money makes you happy until you know about a year, you know, and once you have enough to like cover your basic needs, money makes no difference on happiness. But if you, if you, if you're, you're making $12,000 a year and you need to make 40, you know, you're, you're pretty unhappy because you don't have enough money. Right. But once you get there, uh, you're, you're definitely, uh, happy enough. So, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, we, we've been able to make, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And, uh, I've listened to the lie before that, that money, making more money is going to make me happier. And, and it, my wife comes up to me, tells me, she goes, you know, I just want to let you know, Dale, um, you know, you don't need to work more (laughs) like, like, like I'm okay. Like you don't like, I know you're, you're hustling Dale. Like I know you're hustling. I know you're doing the next thing, but like you're doing it for you. You're not for me. You know, like, I just want you to know that. And I, I, I remember her saying that to me, and I thinking like, like she's happy. Like if we made $60,000 a year, like has not, her love for me has nothing to do with how much money we make and her love for our life has nothing to do with that either. And, um, so just, uh, there's a lot of that stuff there that just, you know, trying to figure out how to, what, what it means to be content. And, um, you know, for us, I'll tell one last story. What we've done, Eric is we've kind of made a decision that this number yet, but we're, we're getting close to this number. We go, what number do we need? And because every time we get to a number, I mean, we go, oh, you know, 200,000. You know, I, I think that we actually need more. So 300,000, oh, I think we need more. And dude, that is a dangerous road, my friend, because the people that get up to a million, they go, oh, we just need a little bit more. Like you don't need more.
3: Yeah, it never ends. If you're <laughs> in that never,
0: mindset. It never ends. So we're trying to figure out that number for our family where we go, Hey, you know what, any money pa- that we make this year past this number, we're either going to give it away or we're going to put it in a foundation for our children. That's it. And, um, because there is a, there is safety in that. Uh, if you can, if you're open enough or, um, mature enough to, to listen to that message, there's safety in that. And, Um, and you need to define that number for your family. I think it'd be a good exercise for, for a lot of people. That mindset
3: of I'll be happy when is that the core problem with it is that it never ends. It's always the next thing. At least that's been my experience is that I think that this is the thing that will make me happy and I get there and I don't feel happier. And instead of questioning the entire mindset, I just think, oh, well, it wasn't that thing. It must surely be the next thing on the road. And it's, it's insidious
0: we have to remember like at the end of the day, right? We're, we're gonna, we're gonna die <laughs> and we're gonna sit there at, you know, and this is one thing I always tell people, you know, the average age blended men and women is about 80 years old today. So, you know, I'm 30, so I got 50 years left, right? This is, that's it. You know, Eric, how old are you? 44. 44, right? So, so you got potentially 35 years left, right? Yep. And and you think about that and you go, no one on their deathbed, because there's tons of research projects and studies that goes, um, they go, you know, uh, what would you have done more? And nobody says I I would have worked more, you know? Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is you, you don't get too busy making a living that you forget to make a life. And yeah, so it's, it's the relationships that count. And, and I, I really hammer on that part in the book. I talk about like, like relationships are the, the things that matter. That's why we're choosing people over profit because at the end of the day, sure, you built a great company, but everybody hates you. Um, there's nothing valuable about it. There's no legacy. And, and, um, and, and, or you were so busy that you forgot to make friends. You know, you're so busy. And sure, there's, I'm all about having a season of busyness. Like you might have a six month, like I'm writing this book and then getting it marketed and putting it out there. I'm way busier than I, than I like to be. But once we're done with this, I'm going to take a big break and I'm not going to be busy for another year. And um, so it, we got to do that because at the end of the day, like the relationships that we make are really the only things that matter. Um, and it's the, it's the only influence that, that those people are going to have on their children and their children and their children. So so like just focusing on the things that really matter because money's important, but it's, 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 not, any, it's not everything.
3: Right. It is certainly not... But boy, is it! Boy, are we culturally uh, taught something different? And that that idea that it is money runs so deep.
0: Oh, and and fame and influence and um and things. You know, um, I watched this video today on YouTube of this couple. Uh, I follow somebody that took photos of this couple, and they're like a young model couple. They both have like a million followers on their Instagram account. And they're both incredibly good looking and they did these videos of like, they travel somewhere and they have this, like they're in helicopters and skydiving together and then like snowboarding and then like doing all these crazy things. And it's got like 3 million views on this video. And, um, it's awesome. Like, cool. Like, you know, I'm not going to compare my life to theirs cause I don't know what their journey is. Right. Like there's that quote that says like, don't compare, uh, like don't compare your 20, you know, your mile 25 to someone else's, you know, mile one. Right. Um, and, and, uh, they're young and it, and it, it, what I look at it is go, so many people are watching this going like, gosh, I want that life, man. Like, gosh, I want that. Like, they're so uncon, like they're so unhappy with their own lives that they're just like, Oh, you know? And the people that produce that video are thinking the same thing. They're thinking like, Oh, everybody's going to want our life, you know? So it's just a big thing of just, just, you know, if you, if you are, you're never going to be happy if you're not happy right now. So just, just start learning how to be like, just as happy as you would be if you were, you know, a multimillionaire famous with a bunch of great kids, like the happiness should never change out of your circumstances. That's that's the, the key lesson.
3: Do you have any tips on doing that? Because that is really a challenge for a lot of you people. Know, <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, I, I agree. And, uh, but boy, it's it's harder to do that than to say it
0: it is without getting into like the whole faith world for me mm-hmm. i think it starts with with the gratitude of health
2: attention all you 20-somethings out there are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out well guess what you're not alone get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of crying in public join me your host sydney winter as i take the mic solo for the very first time I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all and then some so grab your headphones you're about to get real raw and a little ridiculous and let's face it life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together it's time to embrace the chaos so don't miss out on the laughs the tears and the inevitable existential crisis listen to the new season of crying in public on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
0: i don't know if anybody that's listening has been sick before Like sick, where you're like really sick, and you're and like you're actually fearful of your life. Sick, Mm -hmm. um, you realize very quickly that if you're not healthy, nothing else matters. And so, I think the gratitude of of the fact that you, whoever's listening, can actually listen to this and is likely having a decent day, um, it should start there and just being like, "Man, I'm so stoked." that I have a great life. And then also the idea of comparison. So um, we compare up all the time. Like all we do is compare up. We go, oh man, like I want that, you know. Um, I started comparing down um, and that really helped me. So if you haven't gone to a developing country, that's a great investment for your life. And um, getting a chance to, you get to see people that live in like little huts with like Definitely disease-ridden things all around them, with you know, incredibly difficult situations that are happier than you, (laughs) and it's so stinking frustrating because you (laughs) go, "How is this person who was completely upside down um, happier than me?" And you realize how broken you are. And so, if you're going to invest in certain things, you know, you're you're thinking about traveling. You're like, "Oh, I'm going to go to Europe and check things out." Like. Europe's going to be fun, but I'll tell you, if you want to do something that's actually going to make your life grow and change and be different, um, compare down. Go go somewhere that makes you feel very uncomfortable and almost fearful, and you see the people and you realize how happy they are, and, and you realize that that um, you got a disease you need to cure. So comparing down and and is a is a is a good good little trick that I've uh, I've learned to do. We all
3: sort of move through one thing and then the next challenge faces us. What, what are you wrestling with currently? What are some of the things that you are working on right now in your own life?
0: Right now, I think I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to be comfortable with who I am um, to find out if people like the real me uh, because influencers are the best persona marketers you have ever met and they're so good at being social chameleons and and becoming whoever you they need to be at that moment celebrities are really good at it too right um and so i'm trying to figure out who i am i'm also trying to just be an incredible husband I started thinking about like if my wife doesn't feel like she's the most cherished woman in the world, then I'm I'm not doing anything for my marriage, and and I want my daughter and and our future children to 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 be able to see the representation of 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 a husband, um, and and my wife's relationship with me, so that they can carry that down and to say, you know, I, I don't want my daughters learning like having to look to anybody else to choose To learn how to choose a, a husband, and um, so I, I'm really trying to say, hey, you know i this is this is exactly your your whole life you're going to see me loving your mother um, so that that's the kind of men that you need to be looking for and so um, the challenge is, is that i uh, it's really hard um it's really hard to be a good husband um, it's way easier to be a good businessman <laughs> that's for sure yeah I agree uh, you know being a good husband and a good father. Um is incredibly difficult, so uh it's slowing down because you know going down and, and from from my computer to my Instagram to my Facebook to my book launch to my speaking engagements to my you know whatever I'm doing, and then like stopping and then like getting down on my hands and knees and like playing a reading a book to my daughter um and this is only one kid right i i I want i we want as many children as we could possibly have just because we love children so much. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm concerned sometimes I'm like, man, am I going to be able to stop? Am I going to be able to stop? So that's, that's where I'm really trying to focus is just like slowing down and, and, and being willing to be called out. I've, I've gave a couple men, uh, in my life, some permission to say, Hey, if you see me going down a rabbit trail, uh, against what you know that I want to become, uh, can you please uh, tell me? You know, and and I give you permission to to pull me aside and be like, "Hey, man, like what you're doing right now is not what you want to do, um, and you need to stop." And um, you know, I I always say that you know, um, self evaluation uh, is helpful, right? Um, but evaluation from others is essential. So I've I've just been really stepping into that and letting people speaking to my life from the outside in. And, uh, I think that's making a, a pretty big impact on, um, on my relationships.
3: Excellent. Yeah. That is a challenge is to let other people in the thing I wrestle with, even when I sort of say that, like, well, you know, I want you to call me out on my stuff is, and you mentioned it earlier, it's being, um, telling the the truth or showing all parts of things or not hiding things, even from those people, because, we tend, it's pretty easy to rationalize, at least for myself, things in my own head about, well, you know, I'm doing it because this reason and nobody else, you know, we don't really need to talk about it kind of thing.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's humiliating. (laughs) It's, 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 it's it's embarrassing. And remember, like growth is, growth is never, ever fun. (laughs) I mean, like hard growth, the ability to change is what makes people successful. And, and and so that's why you know when I talk about and people over profit I go, I go hey you know like how you make others feel about themselves says a lot about your leadership, and and so people look at them and they and so I'm saying that, so that 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 ability to make other people feel good is something that's an internal thing with you. So I I, I urge people to go change, grow, get better, and and that requires like. Fierce conversations and like embarrassing moments and sometimes humiliating, awkward situations, and sometimes just like incredible discipline to to stop you know the doing the things that are are bad for your life, and um, it's it's the hardest thing. Like and and also on the other side, someone that that, that actually has to convince you or convict you, you know, nobody likes telling anybody that they got a booger on their face, right? Right? You know, it's like the, you're at dinner with someone, and you're like, oh my, you're just staring at that booger. You know, you're just like, God. I don't want to tell them because it's so embarrassing for them. And, uh, you know, and then you like, you know, if you're close enough with them, you're like, hey, man, you just like start scratching your nose like you got a poker in your face. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and but it's, you know, you got to get a friend that's willing to do that to say, dude, the way you talk to people hurts them. You got to stop doing that because you, you sound like an idiot. And it sucks when someone says that to you. But I promise you, it's better than living three years not knowing it, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing that. So that's kind of the underlying philosophy of, of, of what I think some of, makes the greatest leaders in the world.
3: Excellent. Well, I think that is a great place to wrap up. You have put together a little uh, special something for our listeners. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, where they can find that, and where they can find you, and when the book's coming out?
0: Yeah, so the book comes out May 5th. And uh, we are pushing really hard to get this in the hands of leaders and the people that really want to become better business people but also just better leaders, you know, and, and to think differently about business and to restore capitalism because I believe capitalism is great. What we have today is, you know, not a lot of companies are really practicing what I think is is authentic capitalism. So we're trying to make this a better, a better place. But I, I put together this $300 coaching kit, with uh, some coaching videos, a really good ebook called People Matter. And uh, it's about uh, you know, leadership in business um, and for self-starters, entrepreneurs, dreamers, those kind of folks, um, a private podcast, um, a couple other things there. But if you go to peopleoverprofit.com forward slash wolf, uh, you'll get directed to that and you'll get access to that for free uh, when you buy the book. So um, really appreciate it if you, if you would consider to pick that up and support kind of the mission that we're pushing there.
3: Excellent. Well, Dale, thanks so much for taking the time to be on. I wish you a great deal of success with the book launching and um, I've enjoyed the conversation.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Eric, for having me.
3: All right. Take care. Talk soon. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye.
1: You can learn more about this podcast and Dale Partridge at oneufeed.net slash Dale.